welcome to the Gerald Davis Overflowing Cup Tape Ministry. God's people are being informed and changed through these anointed revelation truths. Gerald's messages are aimed at helping God's people walk in success for the rest of their lives on earth. This message will help you do just that. We're living in a pretty critical hour in this nation. And we've seen things happen and develop that are now, I would call, as a period in America, a low spiritually. How many understand why I said that? And it's been announced by leading officials that America is no longer a Christian nation. I never did get a witness on that in my spirit. It's not like God is saying amen. God don't believe that. We're his people. And we still are a strong spiritual people within this nation. And a lot of voices are coming along that are planting fear and worry and fretting in a political scope and I want to talk to you today along the lines of God and his abilities and there's a story in the Bible that Jerry asked me if I would share it's found in 1 Kings chapter 20 now I won't have time to read it I'm just going to tell that story and then you can read it if you'd like to mark a place there, make a note of it. You could read it at your leisure later on. But first I want you to turn in your Bibles and they're gonna, they're gonna put it on the, the uh, overhead. The scriptures that I do wanna read and I think they've got these, yes. In Isaiah chapter 40, this is God speaking through the prophet. Now listen to these prophetic words. Now these are words that God spoke. And uh, really, I'm going to read at verse 1, though they, don't, they didn't put it up there, didn't tell them to. But God is saying, comfort my people. Comfort them. And how do you do that? He said, you speak comfortably to my people. In other words, encourage them on who I am, not on the opposition. Encourage my people with the right words. In verse 3, he then speaks of a man that is coming, and he said he is a voice that will cry in the wilderness. Somebody tell me who that was. John the Baptist. Say it out loud. John the Baptist. And what did he cry? Well, he cried out in these words, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Get ready for God to show his hand. Get ready in your heart and look for God to do something. And then he continued, make straight in the desert a place that doesn't naturally bloom and grow he said, get ready, straighten out a good path, because that's the one God's going to fill up. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 
He's going to show you growth in the middle of what looked like couldn't do anything. And then he continues. Now, here's God's promise prophetically to all of his people. Every valley, everybody say every valley. Not just some of them. This is God prophetically talking to comfort his people. Every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The, the, the places that are very discouraging that you go through in life, God said, I'm going to raise those areas up and I'm going to pull the hard places that you're trying to climb, the difficulties of achievement that you're trying to accomplish, the rough, the rough row you're having. To, I'm going to bring it down, bring the valley up, and I'm going to make it an even plane for you. I love God. And he said, the crooked places that you're going through, I'm going to straighten them out. And the rough places you're going through, I'm going to smooth them out. I'm going to take the, take the rocks out of them. And I'm going to let you have an even, glorious, dependable lifestyle when you lean on me. Somebody shout amen. And then he added, because of that, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh, your neighbors and your kinfolks will see you blessed and they will glorify somebody beyond you because they know you and they know you couldn't have made that happen but they don't understand who did but they can't deny that it has. Amen. Now, I want to hastily say, even though this is Old Testament, I think your pastor has probably shared this, but it doesn't hurt to say it again. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. When you link them both together, it's a marvelous romance. The principles taught in the New Testament by those writers and our Lord are illustrated by stories out of the Old Testament. You know, somebody said, well, things are no longer like they were. We don't have the law. We have grace. And these things are, are, are true. But I said to somebody here a while back, I know God changes methods. I know he changes patterns and procedures, but God doesn't change. What God used to like, he still likes. What God used to not like, he still doesn't like it. God hates things and loves things. He loves everybody. As humans, he loves us all. I told somebody one day, he, he loves us all, some because of us and some in spite of us. But he loves us all. And I try to be the kind that God loves because of. And I've learned that my salvation is intact because of grace unless I just choose to turn away from the Lord. And I don't think anybody but an idiot would ever do that once you know him. But I'm saved by grace. The life I live now in this time is either successful or a failure because of the way I live my life and the things I know 
now in this time. Does that make sense to you? So God has given us a promise. I'm going to lift you down times. I'm going to pull down the tough times. I'm going to straighten out the crooked places. And I'm going to take the rocks out of the rough places. And I'm going to help you so that you can have a good life leaning on me. Now, get this scenario and this story. A fellow named Ben-Hadad was, was captain and king over Assyria. In chapter 20, 120 of uh, 1 Kings, and he decided he was going to overpower the king of Israel, who at that time had his palace in Samaria. So he got 32 kings and their armies to join with him. And they surrounded the city of Samaria with those armies, their chariots, their foot soldiers, their horsemen, all their shining spears, their bows and arrows <coughs> surrounded the city of Samaria. Total of 7,000 people inside. All the, I mean, that's including women and children. And, uh, you know, he had a total of 232 soldiers. That's all he had in the city. He got up one morning, looked out over the wall when he heard somebody shouting at him and looked down and there was a group from Ben-Hadad and he could see the armies back behind them. They're all prepared. The tents of Ben-Hadad are set up, all the soldiers. And that group raised their megaphone to him on the wall and said, King Ahab, Ben-Hadad told us to tell you that your silver and your gold is his. Your wives and your children, they're his. Now, what do you think about that? King Ahab looked all around and he thought, what choice do I have? Have any of you ever looked around you at the obstacles and the things facing you and you saw no way to go? You had no, nothing you could do. Has anybody ever been there with me? Yeah. And the threatening of the sound of the devil's voice, court situations, sickness and disease, threats of divorce, threats, all kinds, financial issues, threatenings. Threat, I, I've had it so bad at times, Sally, that I've sat up in the middle of the bed out of my sleep at night and sweat popping out on my brow. I know what it is to have fear. I've been there. All of you probably know what I'm talking about. Ben Haydad said, go back. I mean, Ahab said, go back and tell him. Nothing I can do about it. Okay. I hate that. And so did God. And so did Ahab's counsel. The next thing you know, the runners came back from Ben Haydad's tents with another message. Ben Haydad said to tell you that he's not only going to take your silver and your gold and your wives and your children, but he's going to send his men through your house and they're going to look around and see what it is that you like and they're going to take that just because you like it. And Ahab stood there for a moment 
and something rose up inside him and he thought, you know, this is where I draw the red line. I'm not going to have somebody treat me that way. That dirty devil takes something just because he knows I like it. Not going to do it. He stood there and propped his hands on his hips and said, you go back and tell that dog that I said no. He's not going to do that. He's done pushed me too far. No. You ask him if there's any part of that word he doesn't understand. And if he wants me to spell it to him, I will. No. Can I hear anybody out there? Do you know how to say no? Do you know how to say no? Have you ever reached a point with the devil and the fear and the hurts that he's throwing in your face and you finally rose up inside and said, no. I used to love to watch Popeye with my boys when they was coming up. And we, they'd get a lot of, you know, get a lot of entertainment out, but I got inspiration. I'd watch Popeye, Brutus, that big, dirty, ugly, bearded, Popeye, bug-eyed Brutus would grab Popeye and tear him limb from limb, slam him down on the floor, throw him up against the wall, beat him until there's nothing left but pulp nearly and then tie him up with ropes all the way around him and tie a hundred pound weight on his legs and throw him off out there in the middle of the lake. And Popeye would go glug, 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 glug down to the bottom. Then suddenly he'd get mad. And he'd say, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And suddenly he'd pop out that spinach can. And down that spinach, when he did, his biceps bulged, his legs got powerful, his thighs, and all the ropes began to pop off of him. You ever watch him? I mean, I, we don't see much of Popeye nowadays, but that's a cartoon that needs to come back. It's, it's a clear definition between the good guy and the bad guy. Let me know what I'm saying. <laughs> Popeye would eat that spinach and suddenly, he was a different man. He'd flex his arms and pop those ropes and kick off that weight and come flying out of that water, his feet like propellers, you know, just turning on the end. He'd fly up out of the water and go clear across sailing. He's heading for Brutus. When he hit Brutus, Brutus didn't know what had happened to him. He was hit broadside, and Popeye tore him limb from limb. And olive oil was saying, oh, Popeye, you're so strong. Oh, yes. Everybody loves a winner. The devil loves a loser. And he wants to take our victory and take away from us our spoil, our joy, our happiness, our peace of mind. Take away from us our trust in God. He's after it. But it's time for God's people to recognize when it's the devil. Do you know the difference between faith and fear? Faith believes in what God's going to do. Fear believes in what the devil is going to do. They're both believers. One just believes for the right thing, and the other believes for the wrong thing. One believes in God. One believes in the devil. 
Are y'all thinking? Are you thinking what I'm saying? Most of the time I hear it talked about their opposites. No, they're both believers. Can you stay with me here? One believes right, one believes for wrong. One believes for good, one believes for bad. One believes for help, the other one believes for abandonment. No help. I deserve a better shout than that. I know I'm telling the truth. Fear has torment. It'll ruin your day and your week. No fear. Run fear completely out of your life. Fear does not please God. Faith pleases God. When I was a young man, I used to look like to do this and run and shout. Let me get back to my story. As soon as he made his declaration, the Bible said the man of God tapped him on the shoulder. He whirled around and the man of God said, you see that great multitude out there? <laughs> he said, God sent me to tell you and he was talking to that man, Ahab, like I'm talking to you. God sent me to tell you that God is going to deliver them into your hand. God is going to redeem you from the destruction that appears to be on alluring in your vision and coming against you. God is going to deliver you. The man of God spoke those words to Ahab, and Ahab said, Really? And uh, how's he going to do that? The man of God said he's going to do it by the 232 soldiers that you've got in this town. Now, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm thinking greater is he that's in you than he that's coming against you. I'm thinking you have power in the name of Jesus. I'm thinking you are a spiritual being that is a child of the Most High God. I'm thinking that you can't lose when you lean on the one who has never yet lost. Amen? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Get your spirit up. Get up out of the dregs in your mind, in your thoughts. Shove fear aside and out the door. Help me, God, to get this message through. He said, you mean to tell me that the army we have here, the 230, are going to defeat all these 32 kings and all their armies that's got us surrounded? Prophet God said, that's right. <laughs> Ahab looked at him and said, and who'd be stupid enough to order that kind of battle? prophet of God looked him square in the eye and said, you, me, I'm going, yeah, you got the authority. You got the power. You're the chief. Order the battle. How's this going to look when I tell them that? Just do it. God said do it, just do it. I wish I had somebody here that was alive and awake. If you can do it, if you can do it, God can do it. But you have to first say no. 
No, I draw the line, devil. I, this is all I can stand. I can't stand no more. I'm through talking to you and dealing with you. I'm telling you, shut up. No. Oh, that's the best words you can ever do when you're talking to the devil. There have been times in my life that I have talked to him just as much as I talked to God. I knew what God had said, and I knew that was right, so I'd tell the devil, God said such and such. Devil, God said this. Devil, God said that. No, no, devil, you can't overpower God. That is the power that overrules everything. Can you hear me, devil? No. Well, I know we may not know how we're going to overcome, but we've been in situations where we do and have. I remember one time, and I don't know, is that clock right on the wall? I want to stay within my time range. I've been, I remember one time I had a heart attack back in 1980. I had a heart attack. They took me to Bentov Hospital, and they checked me out. The echo showed a clear heart attack. I called preacher friends of mine. They kept me downstairs, didn't have a room for me for a while, so different ministers come by and pray for me in the waiting zone. Then they put me in a room. I was there a total of three days, and at the end of three days, three doctors stood at the end of my bed, and they said, sir, we don't know how to explain this. They said, the more tests we've run, the less we find the less damage we see. And they said, we don't understand how it is that the echo showed that you had a heart attack. When you came in here, the test proved it. And now, as we've looked through and watched over three-day period and done more testing, we see less and less and less, and we don't see one problem left. What? We're not going to keep you here. You're going home. I said, thank you, and thank you, God Almighty. So sure enough, they pinned that little sticker on the foot of my bed and said, go, please go to administration. I knew what that meant. And I knew now the devil's going to try to steal my money. <laughs> so I got downstairs, but, but I was, when I got on the elevator to go downstairs, I said, I just backed up against the wall in that elevator, and I said, devil, you tried to kill my body, and you couldn't do it. And I said, now you're going to try to steal my money. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do because I didn't have insurance. At that time, I was, just, we were just, I was just getting going in traveling ministry, and I kept every expense as low as I could to try to, you know, survive those early days. And now I got downstairs, went to administration, stood there. The lady looked over my situation my paperwork and all, and she said, okay, sir, you can go. And I said, I don't know anything. She said, no, sir, you're clear, you can go. I said, thank you, and I walked out the door. <laughs> I've got to tell you the rest of this because it applies to this same story in 1 Kings 20. Three months later, I got a bill, or I got a letter from Ben Taub Hospital administration saying, please come and talk with us. We think we've made a mistake. 
uh, on your billy. I thought, all right, here we go again, devil. So I got there, went in a different location altogether. They sat down, went over all my paperwork and everything, and they said, well, Mr. Davis, we think, we, we think we've overlooked some things and made a mistake in the, in, in, at the time where you were dismissed, but, but we, can, we can determine here by looking things over that you really can pay, can't you? And I said, well, it's not that I can't if I have to. She said, well, we need to send you a bill. I didn't know how much that bill could have been. Three days in the hospital and all those doctors and all those tests had been to the hospital. So I just got up. She got my address, made sure she had all my information. I walked out the door. I leaned up against the wall in the hall of that hospital. I crossed my arms and I said, devil, I told you no. I said, you couldn't get me the first time, and you're not going to get me this time. I don't know how God's going to do it, but the answer is still no. And once I had taken my position, I went on home, and that was back in 1980, 81, and I've never gotten anything from Ben Taub Hospital ever. Zero. I don't know how God did it. I just know that we, God is listening to us talk. I want you to hear the rest of this story. They engaged in that battle, and uh, you got 232 soldiers going out of Aphek, and all of Ben-Hadad's armies lined up, and they tell him he's drinking himself drunk out there in their, in their tents. And they got word to him and said, you know, I got, got some men coming out here with their helmets and their boots and their swords on coming out toward us. So what do you want us to do? He said, just go out there and take them alive. I don't care who they are. Just take them alive and bring them up here to me. So they sent a group of men out there to take them alive. And they were looking at it this way. You got red coats coming out of, coming out of uh, Ahab's city. And you got blue coats coming from Ben-Hadad. When the clash came out in the field and the dust settled, there was all Ben-Hadad's blue coats laying on the ground, not one red coat on the ground, and not one blue coat still standing. And Ben-Hadad suddenly sobered up, and he saw that group, the red coats still coming at him. <laughs> Scared, Yeah, the devil is the author of fear. He knows how to be scared if we can just roar at him with the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah and not fear the roar of the detoothed one, which is the devil. Amen. 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 <laughs> and so they defeated them that day. And when they did, Ben-Hadad and his armies ran he fled, got on his horse, took off as fast as he could go. You're going to read this later on if you'll read 1 Kings 20. I'm telling you the truth. And about that time, while they're in, back in Samaria dancing and shouting and celebrating such a victory, man of God came up, tapped Ahab on the soldier, shoulder again, and he said, they're coming back. 
He said, what? Yeah, he said, at the turn of the year, they're going to get their armies back together, and they're coming back. Has anybody ever heard this? God has helped you, done something for you, delivered you, blessed you, did, and the devil comes back around and says, it ain't going to last. You ain't going to keep that. You're too dumb. You don't know enough. Besides that, there are too many people that disagree with you, and you just not. They're going to come back. Oh, yeah, you may have won that round, but you're not going to win the next one. And he came back with that sound, sure enough. And uh, the counselors of Ben Haydad, to close my story down, came to him and said, Sir, you know why we lost that battle? No. Why do you think we lost that battle? They said, because we've been listening to those Israelis talk. And that bunch of believers over there are not always believers. Yeah, we've heard them talk about their troubles and their heartaches and their pains and their sorrows. We've heard them talk about how they couldn't always be on top. Everybody got to lose sometime. We've heard them talk about that. And so we realized that our problem was we caught them at a time when they were up. We caught them at a time when they were in a high zone. They had just had a great meeting and came out of there with all kind of glorious feelings and joy in their heart. And we caught them on a high. Let's get them when they're down, when they're talking negative, when they're talking losing. Let's get them down when they're saying, well, I don't know. I heard one fellow say one time when they asked him, how you doing? He said, well, I was, getting, I was doing better, but I think I'm getting over it. Anyway, it's all right to joke and have some fun, but God listens to you talk, and the devil listens to you talk. And the devil will take your words, and he gives him power to work accordingly. And these people were determined that if those folks could be caught in a valley in a downtime, they could get them. There's a, there's a very, very important teaching in the scripture concerning keeping your spirit up. The scripture said in Proverbs, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit in other words, a down, broken, hearted spirit who can bear. In other words, not even God can help you if you can't if you can't do your part and keep your. I almost said it. Shall I do it? Keep your mouth straight. Amen. Look at somebody and say, "I'm going to keep my mouth straight." That'd be a good thing for you to say right now. I'm going to keep my mouth straight. Watch what you say. <laughs> what's, what's, that, what's, that, what's that singer sing a song? What you say? What's his name? Ray Charles. What's that you say? Listen to yourself. A good thing to do sometimes is just listen to yourself and what's coming out of your mouth. And then tell yourself if it's not faith, if it's not up talk, if it's not depending and really trusting God talk, 
tell yourself, shut up. You've said all that you're going to say. Get your mouth straight. And God said he'd make the straight places, make the rough places straight, the crooked places straight. The Bible said they reenacted the battle and they caught them in the valley. And when they caught them in the valley of Aphek, the scripture said Ahab and his little group of soldiers looked like two small flocks of goats compared to all the multitude. And I love this. Ahab is standing there looking all around, surrounded, and all he's got is this little small group of people, and he's going to fight them again. And the prophet of God tapped him on the shoulder and said, You see all this multitude? Now, these are the words that God put in the prophet's heart toward Ahab. He said, Because they have said, because the enemy has said concerning my people, their gods are gods of the hills, but they're not gods in the valleys. Their gods are gods in the high places when they're feeling good, but they're not gods down there. They can't do anything for them when they're down there in the low places. And God said, you tell them I heard the enemy talk against you. And I'm telling you that I'm going to give you the victory in this hour against that bunch again. And at the end, when the dust is settled, they're going to know. They're going to know that I am God. I love it when God gets all the glory. They put the battle in array. And the Bible said that those two little flocks of goats, so to speak, the soldiers in Ahab's army, defeated them and killed, listen to this, they killed 100,000 men in the enemy's army. What? Do you know how many they had total? They had 127,000. So 27,000 of them turned tail and ran when they saw 100,000 of them killed and they ran inside the little town of Aphek they were beat down, tired, wore out, and afraid, and they fell down and sat down against the wall, and God reached over and kicked the wall, and it fell on all the rest of the 27,000. They all died. You do what you can, and God will take care of the rest. Amen? One closing portion of Scripture, then I want them to post on the board again, and this is in Isaiah 51 this many years ago and it just really made me mad at myself when I caught myself relaxing and letting things happen that shouldn't. That's what it says. Verse 21 of Isaiah 51 Therefore hear now this, thou afflicted you're hurting. You're hurting. And he said I'm talking to people that are drunken, but not with wine. What other kind of drunkenness is mentioned in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament? Drunk on the Holy Ghost. They were drunk on the Holy Ghost. On the day of Pentecost, they said, these are all drunk with wine. It's just a ninth hour of the day. How do they do that? But they're all drunk. So there is a time when the Holy Ghost really sets in, and we have him working fully in us.
that it can give us a sense of drunkenness. I've been there numbers of times. I love it. I love it. It's caught me staggering at times, but I love it. And I didn't have a hangover. Anyway, God said, you're Holy Ghost-filled people, people, and the Lord says to you that I plead the cause of my people. What is your problem? I'm pleading that cause on your behalf. Listen to me. That's what the behold means. Listen to me. I have taken out of your hand the, 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 the cup of trembling. You know what that is, don't you? Fear. The cup of trembling. Everybody say fear. fear. God said, I'll take that away from you. You don't have to have that cup anymore. And then he said, I've taken away from you the cup of my fury. What is that? That's God's wrath against your sins. God has forgiven you. You're no longer under God's wrath for the sins that you carry in your life. Everybody say, I'm forgiven. I got the Holy Ghost in me. Now listen, God said, I'm going to put that affliction into the hand of those who afflict you. Who would that be? That'd be the devil, wouldn't it? Somebody say the devil. He's the enemy, clear and true, which has said to your soul, the devil said to your soul, bow down that we may go over. Now you're a Holy Ghost filled people. You're afflicted. You got opposition, troubles. You got issues. And the devil has said to you, bow down. I'm going to go over you. And God said, Oh, I hate this. God said, you laid your body as the ground and as the street that them that went over. You just gave up, rolled over like a whipped puppy, and let the devil run over you. That didn't make you shout amen. I wonder why. Come on, somebody. Rise up with me and say, devil. I've had it with you. I'll draw the line. No more defeat. Never again will I lay down, roll over, and let you put your dirt on me. I'm through losing. I have God in me. I have the Holy Ghost in me. I have the gifts of the Spirit abiding in me. I'm strong. Come on, shout it out. I'm strong. In the name of the Lord. I am not weak. You are the defeated foe, devil. You go. You run. You're whipped. And if you don't volunteer, I'm going to kick your... Well, everybody shout amen. 